Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Good day, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, the podcast where we talk about translating strategy into frontline operations. Today, my guest, Lisa Will, she is the founder and CEO of Stones. And you've been in business since 2004. So math, what's that? Uh, 10, uh, anyways, 17 years in the making. Um, I always ask, what's a quirky thing? What's something that we don't know about Lisa? Well, let's let's put the word out there. Lisa knows how to operate hand drill, power tools, and not the greatest cook. So don't go for dinner at her place unless it's takeout. <laughs> exactly. You know, we'll have fun, but yeah. <laughs> I show you how to run cable. I'll show you how to run the electrical work, but uh, bring your own food because I'm not good at cooking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My uh, my wife and partner, she does uh, fresh prep. Let's do a shout out for fresh prep because that saves our lives a whole bunch of times. <laughs> you can double down on that. I do as well. <laughs> good, Four days good. a week. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, Lisa, what's the title of the show? What are we going to talk about today? I'd like to talk about the myth of balance. And the title will be? Balance WTF. (laughs) So for those people who are uh, listening and not watching, behind Lisa or just kind of top of her head, there's a big sign that says WTF. And there's small print that I can't read what it says underneath. It says willing to fail. Uh, But you can interpret the way that you want. So Lisa, tell us, tell us your story. So Lisa and I know each other from EO, right? Great organization uh, across the world. So there's many people that I know through uh, my stint at EO as well. So tell us your story, Lisa, how does it begin? My story. So it seems like a long, long time ago. Now I was an electricity and gas trader and marketer. And then I ended up having my first child in 03. Okay. And as you know, in Canada, we get a year off. So I was spending a lot of time with a a boy, a little, a brand new little boy who is very much even active at that age, like just had this pent up energy and he couldn't sleep at home. So I was always out, you know, running him in a stroller, Mm. walking him in a stroller. My girlfriends would come for an early morning walking session and then leave again. I'd be stuck there still outside. That's the only way he'd sleep. So I was outside a lot and really, really enjoyed it because I'm not much of a like being at home routine person. Mm. And what I found out as the weather turned that there wasn't a lot to put on his um, feet, not like there is now, but there just mm-hmm. wasn't a lot out there. So we ended up at a weekend at Whistler and I couldn't find anything up there either. Like when I was carrying him mm-hmm. in the backpack. So ended up putting scarves around his feet and just wrapping them, which didn't stay on obviously. And ran into somebody who had, you know, shrunken down this sort of slipper and, and, so we ended up saying, like, why don't we do this together? Because uh, I had always wanted to start my own business. Mm-hmm. So we did. And that was back in 04. Okay. Yeah. 
And so then from then you started so back then, in 04, what happened yeah, next? Yeah. <laughs> it was just very much going to be a hobby business. That was the idea. So we ended up doing our first trade show in September of 04. And we got a lot of interest from retailers. And I thought that was interesting. Never had any experience in the retail world other than doing my own shopping. Mm-hmm. And as that grew, we, we expanded. So I went back to work, you know, in March of 04. And uh, August of five had another child, was a daughter, and then had another year off and went back in 06 and then through 07 worked and then 08 decided it was time um, through late 07 to, to, you know, actually take this to another level. We'd won a few awards mm-hmm. and I wanted to take it very, very seriously. And at gotcha. that time, my partner wasn't really in that position. And it was like, a very, I had a really, I, I really wanted this to be big. I had a big mm-hmm. vision for what it could be. And the more things I put on my child, the real, the more I realized that the, the goods that we were buying didn't really have as much quality as I wanted. And mm-hmm. I had envisioned having this product, whatever I bought would last a long time mm-hmm. and it would be passed on like everything else that we had when we were kids. And that wasn't happening. So I really wanted to have a brand and create a name that people just, it was synonymous with quality premium. And you could, you know, resell it. And at that time, there wasn't as much of a market net as there is now. Oh, now it's huge. Yeah, Yeah. it's growing like 40 to 50% year on year. So it's really now on trend. I wanted nothing in landfills. And um, yeah, Yeah, this is way before all this, this hype about having, you know, something sustainable. So what is Stones? Tell us what is Stones? What is Stones? Stones, um, when people think about stones and the way I think about stones as a brand, or if it was walking around, it would be somebody who cared a lot about quality, doing what it says it's going to do, and being that friend or person that you rely on. Like you just know when you think about going outdoors for a walk, we're going to be there and try to outfit you as best as we can to prolong. We all know what it's like getting a baby ready. I mean, it takes. Mm-hmm an hour to get ready to go outside and be 45 minutes. And then somebody's either blown through their diaper, they have poop up their back or there's someone screaming. And, and so I just wanted to create an experience where you could do it so quickly. Like our gloves. I thought, why not create a glove? I'm just trying to stick my child's thumb in a hole that they don't even want to be in. And all yeah. they do is scoop things anyway. So I, you know, create, I just drew it on my, my um, table at home, this whole like almost like an oven mitt that just goes up and over quickly with two snaps that just boom, boom, you know, they cinch up. Wow. So my whole thing is it has to be super easy, make sense. Like I want them smart. Everything mm-hmm. that we do, I really envisioned as being smart. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my mission is making outside easy because it oh, doesn't, cool. that's kind of the mission because people would tell me, Oh, I don't, you know, let's, can we just go to the mall instead? It just seems like a lot of work, you know, to get your kid ready and be outside. And of course, being in Vancouver, it can rain, it can be sunny, oh, yeah. it can, you know, things change. So, um, yeah, that's, I just want it smart, quick and easy, high quality, and you're outdoors more than you're having to prepare. Yeah. So let's bring it back. Cause I, in the pre-show, we had a conversation, Lisa and I, and the, so there's, there's mixed emotions about the term mompreneur. So that, kind of i i really want to listen to that so 
so tell us what what feelings do you have and, and be honest with us what's the feeling that you have associated and of course lisa's opinions are lisa's opinions so if anybody wants to judge her then you start looking in the mirror so if you want to leave a comment about something like that you don't like then going on a different show but uh, <laughs> lisa's, <laughs> yeah, entitled, yeah. lisa's entitled to her opinion and uh so what's your opinion about mompreneur how, how do you feel about it well it's funny when i began in the business world like i i just wanted to be known as a business person mm-hmm. and not a statistic you know well we've got a female in the workplace you know now we've got a female on management we've got a female so for me it's just a you happen to be a mom who needs to solve something to make their life better and then it spreads to others. Perfect. So the mompreneur thing to me, it didn't really tell me that I was going to be in this longer than when I was sort of a mom and mom, I think about it. You're a mom forever, of course, but I think about mom is like, it's a period of life. If you're a mompreneur, yeah. a lot of hobby businesses get started, right? So for me, mompreneur, I wanted to be just really good at business, be responsible, but never give up my values, mm-hmm. you know, my values of caring about the environment and my values of doing what I said I would do. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's just like good business, common sense business. It's doing the right thing. Um, so it had, you know, mompreneur, I happen to be a mom for sure, for sure. It's just that it it got put into a different category and I wanted to just be if I wasn't good enough to be in business, I, I wouldn't be in business any longer. I shouldn't yeah. get given anything. You know, I just feel I want to live and die by what I, um, yeah. It, it, my, it's not, f- yeah, it's not fair to put that stigma on people to say, oh, you're a mompreneur. What stigma is that? Is, are you an entrepreneur? You're not, right? Are you a business owner or you're not? What, you know, there's either two categories. You're a mom or a dad when you're a parent. There's just, there's no other choices. So, I mean, there's heaps of, mothers who work do you call them mom workers like no like it's it's not fair because i think it comes from the associated and i want to bring it back to balance the risk associated with starting a business how can you be a how can you take that risk you're a mom do you not have your kids you know or is your husband or partner providing for you and that's why you're doing it on the corner of the table it's just so the stigma associated with it is just absolutely awful in my opinion yeah well the whole i i just don't know why uh, you know if you're trying to carve out something different for yourself because you needed say more flexibility and we have to remember 15 17 years ago it was a lot different than it is oh, now oh absolutely right? yeah so now you needed you can just do it, but then you had to actually carve out something different for yourself. Mm-hmm. And especially given the role I had and what I was doing, I mean, trading, you have to be immersed in the market. If you lost touch, even with being off for a few days, you just, you couldn't come in and jump right back to where you were. Mm-hmm. So I needed to recreate a role for myself. And in doing that, I didn't think, I just, I just, to me, mompreneur, I didn't know why it was different than an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, and maybe it was because you assume that now that you're a mom, you're going to still not have a focus of business. Mm-hmm. The focus is really on mom that you happen to be also running a side business, which I guess, sure, in, in some cases that was true. I, I, def, I definitely forewent opportunities to grow because I put my kids first. And that was another message I would love to help send people that when they would see me, I looked totally together. Did I, 
you know, I just, if I go to a story, I can think about when I first wanted to take the leap of doing my own business, I went to a conference and it was like a senior, senior leader at a big company like TELUS or something. And um, a woman stood up there and she said, you know, I, I run this company. I, I think she's a VP at the time. I have three children. I do yoga. I have date nights with my husband and I work this full-time job and I run the board and or I'm on the board. I thought there is no freaking way that you do all this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even sleep more than four hours, five hours a night because I've never really needed a lot of sleep and that I couldn't even, you know, something has to give. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that is really unfair to put that out there yeah. because now all women think, what am I doing wrong? What yeah. am I doing wrong? Why, you know, my husband says he hasn't seen me or my partner hasn't seen me for, you know, two weeks yeah. and you've been in the basement in the evening, the kids go to bed, you disappear because that's your quiet time. You have to get stuff done. and. I just, I want, I really, really want to give people permission to not have guilt, to, you know, even saying live in the moment, like even defining what that means. Mm -hmm. Does it just mean that every minute you need to be enjoying what you're doing? Maybe. But just trying to figure out the balance piece. I just want to remove the myth. However, we can do that. Like balance is, I, I is balance, are you out of balance? Because only two of your three buckets you know, family, personal business, like maybe only you can only fill two of your buckets yeah. at a time and just accept that. Or is it that people call you a workaholic, but the truth is you just love it so much. You're not out of balance for you. Yeah, it's true. Right. And, and, and people say, Oh gosh, Lisa, you work too much. Really? Am I just working on what seems like an endless game puzzle um, work project? It's, I just, I really love it. It's it's hard for people who have never and now I don't want to put the word entrepreneur is is in my opinion in this new age too loosely used. It is people call themselves CEOs because they have a side hustle, right? And everybody wants to be called an entrepreneur. And I have this entrepreneurial spirit. And it's like, hold on a second, who do you work for? Like, okay, everybody's got a client. Everybody's got a boss. I, it's, you know, are you ready? And the only difference is that the entrepreneur puts self-risk in, in the middle of this. They take their funds or somebody else's funds, and there's a lot more risk associating. And that term comes French from entreprendre to start, right? right? And we like to start things. And entrepreneurs like to start things. They don't like to finish things. So you need entrepreneurs as much <laughs> as you need employees. Uh, you know that. So they oh, really like yeah. the, and, and you're part of EO. Oh, oh shiny thing. Oh, oh, shiny yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, well, I have an idea. <laughs> I know. I now have an Excel spreadsheet that everyone's kindly told me to put my ideas in and we can talk about them at the end of the quarter. <laughs> So with that being said, you know, the, the, the stigma of associating risk, you know, when, when I went full entrepreneur, my wife, who is a uh, paralegal and was in uh, doing contracts. So she did contracts for big corporations. She decided to put her career aside to raise our children. And that was a, yeah. a, a, a family decision. Yeah. Like I never impose that. That's the choices. That's the choice that she made. She's like, I want to be fully invested in raising our children until I want to get back into whatever I want to do. Right. And she's been stigmatized for being a stay at home mom that takes care of all of us so that when my job is done, that we have uber quality time. 
It's not the amount of time. It's the, and so I think of all the women who do work, who are out of balance, who don't spend time with their kids and their dad and their double income families and all that good stuff. Well, we don't make as much money as other people, right? Yet the quality time that we have is what we have. And there's no purpose. There's just no, oh, what's your purpose in life? Just how about just being a good parent? Is that not a good person? How, how about just being a good person? Is that not a good purpose? And so this stigma of, of you know, you, you have to have purpose in what you're doing. You have to have purpose. Like you're solving a problem that has real life results. Like you said, I don't want anything to go in landfill. Well, that's a goddamn purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this balance thing, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And on the other side, I know a lot of women in the, I'll say the, the, the 15 year generation who were just called bitches because they had lost all their feminine side to, they're just trying to be in a man's world, be ruthless. And that, that didn't fit well with, with it. And they would just got stigmatized and being a bitch. And, but you, you had a story too, that at the table, you're saying one time that you're the only person that was still married or. Oh, no, it was a, um, it was a, I had the good fortune of being nominated in the Royal Bank Entrepreneur of the Year, um, the female, on the female women's side. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and so I was, I was one of the finalists, and I went to Toronto, and, and they had this beautiful table set up, you know, and that you were put yeah. with, I, I think, six or seven other women in, I, I think it was the same category, and I was so interested in a lot of these women. I was definitely the youngest business there. Mm-hmm. So most everyone had been in business a minimum of 10, 15 years. And the winner, I think, was 31 years. In, oh, in wow. business. Um, but I just, in asking questions of every single person, I looked around the table and I went there. I took my husband at the, at, at the time when we were sitting there, there was not one person at my table who was still married. And everyone was either there with a brother or a friend or a, a, new, a new something. And I just found that very interesting because they all had stories. One was still, you know, she still worked with her husband. They actually started the business together and had a good relationship, but there was just not that other part of the relationship. And it was amazing, like, firstly, how open people were because everyone knows, mm-hmm. like, we had a short period of time and they could, they just were real. And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of no one, you know, bullshitting each other about what this was. Like, this was freaking hard. It was hard to get here. And, small business or medium business in itself is just all you're doing is navigating issues and challenges and problems and obstacles and hopefully celebrating along the way. But we all know how difficult it is. So Mm -hmm. we weren't kidding ourselves about that, but marriage was another one, right? But at times their bucket was not filled in that area and it did not last. And they, yeah, they were just very open with me just saying, yeah, it was just, it wasn't our time anymore. And, and that sort of, look, I went, I looked around because I had only been in business. I think at that time was six or seven years. I thought, wow, is this our, like, is this what we're sort of destined to go through? Mm-hmm. Um, but so what kind of advice if you, so I, I'm, I'm assuming there's some young female entrepreneurs or, and even guys that say, well, let's, let's focus on women for now. That's saying, well, I'd like to have babies. Yeah. I'd like to be a mom. That I'd also like to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to put my career aside. 
to be a mom. Yeah. Did you have that? Did you have that thought process? And if you did, can you share? And if you don't, then what kind of advice do you have to provide? It's interesting. I operate very highly intuitively. So it sounds like I do, I think a lot, I take in a lot of information around me, but I don't actually, like, I won't go do a lot of research and things. Like I, I now have people that do, you know, whether it be competitive analysis <laughs> or actual data and all that, which is awesome. But for me, the reason why I even got started is I thought, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of fill in the blank around. Right. Uh, yeah. And then I try them and it doesn't work. So we go and I make it. But when talking about how you know when to start something. Was that, was that what you were meaning? Well, or do you just mean- so when, before you had babies, okay. And did, did you ever consider being an entrepreneur before you had babies? I didn't know what it was called because in my family, very conservative parents, you know, get a job at a big company, stay there mm-hmm. for 35 years. That was the, that was, that would be their goal for me. Mm-hmm. Even right out of high school, I was like, you know what? I can't even go to university yet because I don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go until later on. And then I only went in the evenings and I did my Shame. whole degree. From- Shame. I, oh, exactly. Because <laughs> I thought I don't even know what I am. And I did not want to go and do an art history degree or something because yeah. everyone else was or economics. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it wasn't me. Yeah. So, but when I look back, I would say, Martin, that I... I mean, I had the typical lemonade stands. I even did disco lessons for my friends. I had no, no business way. doing that, but, <laughs> but I had these duotans <laughs> on every child and I would come and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Disco, exactly. that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> Collected a dime or a nickel or something from every every Tuesday, Thursday. And, and it, my girlfriend's mom would teach me whatever she learned on Monday. It was so fun. Oh, and, that's so cool. Yeah, we'd, I did so many things like that. I would sell garage sale items all the time and my friends would join me for like the first hour and then they'd get really bored well I would be doing it all day and so in in that I just I didn't realize what it was but I was that um I was an entrepreneur and never understood why I couldn't just even in the corporate world I worked for some bigger companies I would be invited to some bigger meeting than what my title would put me in and I would say oh I've got I've got some input you know and and I would get completely pushed aside and said like you were invited here just to sit here not to say anything. And so I just, something inside me just said, I can't do this. I Mm. actually can't do this. And I had some good ideas to contribute, but of course they were saying it wasn't my time to contribute anything. And I, I just wasn't a fit. And then I was hired for one last big company. It was BC Hydro and you get a, a full psychological assessment. And then the lady sits you down and talks about you as an individual, where you might best fit. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was only 20, I don't know, was I 24 or something? And she told me that, um, oh, I'm surprised you even work here. And I said, what do you mean? I just got this new job. And she said, oh, you just, you're not, um, you're not what I would call like an ideal fit here in the corporate world. And that was my first time what? where I thought, oh, she, she doesn't know what, she, even though she was like 70 and very well, I'm sure versed and had her <laughs> degrees. And but it was so funny that at the time I almost went through a denial was, well, I'm going to prove her wrong. And, yeah. you know, and, and sure enough, I did not fit where I was placed at all and ended up in an entrepreneurial place. Cause I put up my hand and I chased down a trading opportunity with their mm-hmm. trading power, you know, their um, power trading arm mm-hmm. because I just fit better there. And then mm-hmm. I could have my entrepreneurial 
um, spirit filled for 11 years. I could go and I created um, through transmission lines and things. I created these trading. I didn't create them, but I, I worked within them and traded energy, moved them back and forth. I found an entrepreneurial outlet yeah. wherever I went there. And I was allowed to because my managers and, and uh, bosses saw that I could do that, which was wonderful. I, I- that you just nailed it. I think a lot of people feel stifled in not being able to create. And that's what entrepreneurship is to, to undertake. Right. And that's the, the transition is just to undertake. So you have an idea, you want to fill a void. Well, where are the gaps? Right. So in the, in the ninth and let's not, let's not in any way, shape or form belittle the people that like jobs in no way, shape or form. Because oh, without it's, it's very important without yeah. worker bees, without people who grind day in day out in a specific speciality or a specific event, and they thrive and they become experts at that, we rely on those people to be sure that we have elimination and automation. So uh, I just and we efficiency talk, and, and efficiency oh, exactly hundred oh, percent. I'm just I'm more speaking to you, just being true to yourself. I wanted Absolutely. to be that person. Oh, I no, wanted no, no, to fit into that role. And I, I just think, and that's what I brought to the table with my kids is I thought I'm going to really pay attention to who you are and to watch what you move towards. And I had like a lot of other people, you have kids, two kids that are very different. One person takes a lot more comfort in being super organized. The other one's very, more, you know, very comfortable in winging things or mm-hmm. whatever that is, like just watching for little things. But I don't think Martin, I answered the question. I'm sorry about that. No, it's you okay. asked me about a mom, <laughs> about being a mom. Did I ever think I did not actually even think of it? I never had this like, I'm gonna be a mom. That's what I, I never really thought about it. And I operated my entire life and still do by when I'm enjoying something, I remain at it. And if I want to change, I will seek it out. I I go through this little process of figuring out like why do I want this change? I wonder what that is, that yeah. feeling. But as soon as I get curious about something. I asked myself a ton of questions. And then I knew like even in power, when I left my job in power trading, I just knew it was time, but I had, I had to go through a lot of questions because it, I really loved my job. I loved the people. I loved the intellect. I loved the conversations. I loved how funny it was being there. I, I miss all that. I still do, but it was time. And you just have to figure out when, when that is time. And I knew it was time to become a parent. Although I was, I probably held off a little bit because of how much I was loving my job. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, I worked with a few women later that I don't think very many of them had kids because you're so into, you're very much vested in your job. It's just more than a full-time, you know? So it, it was a decision that I made, but I knew when I made it, and everything works out, by the way, you don't, sometimes you decide you're going to do something and it doesn't work out. And I know people that wanted children that didn't so, and couldn't, but we did and could. And once we did, I thought this has to be my priority. Like mm-hmm. they, it, it was more than great. I've done it. And, you know, I'll just, um, so, but I knew that I also had a creativity I needed to fulfill. So I had mm-hmm. to figure that out. I had to figure out like how I had both a child gave them my energy. And by the way, like you said, quantity versus quality time. I knew that just being around them and being tired and resentful and, and frustrated oh, uh, and yeah, yeah. like that doesn't make a good, like sometimes they, it's really good for them to have a routine outside of you, which, so I was open to that. Mm-hmm. I was very open to 
it didn't mean me being at home full time. What it meant was that I, I was there when they needed me. And if I wasn't able to be that they had someone that was, you know, equally um, vested in their best interest. And that worked out really, really well. Yeah. There's a, you know, so, so before I go on a second tangent here, so you did ask yourself in some, some way, shape or form saying, okay, well, maybe not now I'm not ready. Cause you said, you said you postponed a little bit while you had a job because you loved it to become a a parent. Um, My wife, Tracy, we watched uh, the, it's so similar. The, Oh, the pink on uh, Netflix or Hulu or whatever the, um, and that, she says exactly that. She's like, a lot of artists stop their career to be a mom or stop themselves from being a mom to have their career. And she said, there's, for us men, we're providers, we're hunters, we're seekers, we're gathered. There's nothing wrong for us. It is ingrained in our DNA. We can step away from the family because we feel the need to provide. So we go, okay. Yeah. A mom to step away from her children, to not think about them 24 hours a day is very unlikely. Although you do actions for it and you need to have your creative outlet and all that stuff. You still always, you're much more attached because I mean, they were inside your body. Right. So that, that creates something that's innate there. Usually exactly that that us men cannot understand and fathom and biology has a set like that. So it's impressive to me how regardless of the area is just so connected. It is, there's a, biological component of being able to be creative being because if you lose yourself as an individual regardless of male or female then if you don't think about who you are then everybody behind you becomes a recipient of that shitty attitude right yeah. like you mentioned well you know what you know it's weird i remember sitting up one night and my child couldn't sleep he was about two months old and i remember looking at it was like an oprah episode or something and it had a story of Maya Angelou. And she said, you know, I was always like rushing my kids around and why, why is your scarf never done up? Why, why is your lunch pack? Why is your bag open? Why'd you lose a shoe? And then one time she just stopped and said, this is really all matter. Mm. It actually, like your kid's not going to freeze to death. And I so related to that because that tends to be more my person. I just don't worry about the small things. Like I get, Mm -hmm. I get more um, amped up about the bigger, but I did listen to what she had to say and had the good fortune of always that was always in the back of my mind like all you need to do is she said when you when your kids walk in the room or when you first see them your eyes light up Mm. or are you looking at them going oh why aren't you this why aren't you that why are your shoes undone because they just have this association right and that to me I just went that was sort of my moment to go oh my gosh like that is totally my mantra that's going to be my eyes are going to light up no matter how much I'm worried that my shipment didn't come in or I can't make this sale today or I can't, I said I was going to make it to the retail store and I didn't like whatever it is actually just your eyes light up because tomorrow is tomorrow and 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 the other thing that she said is do you see me do you hear me do you see me and do I matter and that is my wow. second mantra that I live by because even with my team today that's all that matters to them. They will leave if they don't feel they matter. I left. Can when you I felt. say? Can you say that again? Because I think this is a priceless lesson 
for everybody. So can you please repeat slowly what your mantra is about that? So for parenting early on, it was when the kids, when you and your child connect in a room, your eyes light up. First one. Yeah. And then the second one. And then I always remember that because that's all that matters. And then the second piece with people in general is, do you hear me? You see me? And do I matter? Wow. Because I think, I, I think no matter who you're conversing with, they're, they're human. They may not, you may not agree with them, mm-hmm. but I know that whenever I think about any feelings I've had that were negative, it's, it's at the end of the day, it was because I was, I, in my mind, I felt I didn't matter. I, I'm writing this down because I, 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 I did steal it from my Angelou, just saying, but just it doesn't matter <laughs> if I, I just have to live by these little things. And, um, and then lastly, we'll get to the four stages of parenting. I remember, but that's another, yeah. But that. That twinkle in your eye, that is the same thing about work as well. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people say, oh, you guys work so much. Yeah, we love what we do. Like when I talk oh, yeah. about saving businesses, when I talk about exploding growth, right? So people hire us when they've got a business and they're, they're exploding growth. And they say, look, and I've got a great idea. All these people are around me. I don't know what to do. The opportunity to help another leader, CEO, entrepreneur, be able to fulfill. And by, for us, it's, it's about if we help people be good people, then it's going to reverberate through the business and through the world. And, and I know that sounds really corny and cheesy, but you have to have some type of just cause so that you feel enlightened. Like you said, you don't want anything in the landfill. You want something that's easy and snap. Like I've been a parent and I lived on the East Coast. Yeah. I know what it is to put a snowsuit on a kid. <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> Dad, oh, I got yeah. too many buttons. Like, oh, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny you say that, Martin, because anytime we had a, a, a guy, I can almost say like 100%, they come at our booth at trade shows and they'd see this concept of this booty or then this this mitt that you just pull two tabs and they're like, this is so cool. Because it, it allows them to be part of the whole process, but it's not... Um, you know, it's just not, it, it's, it just works. It's not complicated. It just works. And it's simple. My whole thing is keep it simple. Cause you got a lot of other things going on in your day. Keep it simple. <laughs> I can, I asked my oldest daughter if, if I scarred her, cause I was, I was a young dad. So I was a dad uh, when I was 23 years old and I was still in the army back then. And I put my gas mask when there was a, a breast milk poop is the very first breast oh. milk poop I've ever smoked in my life. Lord, thunder and Jesus. I, oh, I, yeah. I can still gag. I'm, I'm almost 50 years old now. I can. So I put my gas mask on to, to change this poor little girl and, uh, you know, poop in all the private parts. I had poop underneath my fingernails. I was like, damn, anything that can help yeah. parenting, no matter how old or how young yeah. you start, I, I'm with you. And that, that twinkle in your eye has to be there for your business as well, or for your job or for anything, for sure. you, you, you yeah. know, what, what motivates you to, to be good. So, so this kind of like, we went far with this one, but the, the, the question is innate. It, it will happen and how you dealt with it of, of career or mom. And it doesn't have to be, or it has to be. And, and yeah. by, and you have to find the timing by asking yourselves 
are you ready? Is this the right time? By asking and what feels right, because what your brain tells you and what your heart tells you might be two different things, right? Right. And also what your physical body tells you. So being very open about like, I just decided, oh, now's my time. You know, I'm finished my MBA. I've done my career. Now's the time. And, you know, after going through several miscarriages, I was like, wow. Okay. So either I'm being sent a message that I need to really appreciate that everything isn't just going to fall to plan or, or maybe this wasn't meant to be my, like I had so many other questions. And so just I don't want to say like making it trivial, but just saying roll with it. But I, I really had to be accepting mm. of, and I had, and I kept thinking, well, I'm just really lucky that I really love my work. Mm-hmm. That if this doesn't work, that I at least have so many other, you know, like I just always wanted to have a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. And again, it's because I was always doing something I really enjoyed. So it was, but I did want the and. And, and so, you know, lucky for us, we just kept at it and, and it worked eventually. But just having that acceptance that some things don't work out as you had planned or at all. And, and but my the resilience I had was was such that I just knew there was a solution. Now, once we did have a child and I still wanted to carry on, I did have a whole bunch of guilt over why is this not enough for me? Mm-hmm. Why is it not enough that I have a child? Why do I have to start something? You know, I just couldn't be this one year where you just think, oh, great. I just get to like watch them, you know, pick up the, like, I loved all that, but I still had this creative energy inside of me. And for me, I was so fortunate to have a partner who supported me so much. Like Mark was so crucial in, you know, what do you need? Like we would go to every second day if we had daycare, um, you know, we paid for a full-time spot. We didn't use it full-time. But on the days that I really needed it, I could. And he could have easily said, look, you're not working and we can't mm-hmm. do this. But he knew that it was a short-term sacrifice for a long-term result. And it's been constant like that for the last 15 years. Is that It was such a good partnership in that. And I, I feel very, very lucky. So I know others that weren't so lucky. Like eventually mm-hmm. the, you know, the spouse would say, uh, are you going to call this? Like this isn't clearly working or this has been a long time that you said next year, this is going to be the big year next year, you know? And he just so believed in what I was doing. And I I can never repay that. That's, it's just, um, because there are days when you really need that, right? And that's what I'm saying, when you're out of balance, you're all on your own, you're great, everything's good. And then the next day, not good. And you need someone to sort of lift you up and say, you know what, this reason why you've done this is this, you've done a great job raising the kids. You weren't always be able. You weren't always present for the business, and we made this sacrifice together, and that's why X equals this. You know, so there is no there is no handbook or no. SOPs for parenting or starting a business. There's a whole bunch no. of good books life, out there. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, life just is going to be what it is, and yeah. uh, treat people the way you want to be treated, right? Uh, yeah. So, it, I mean. For me, I mean, one of the great partnership examples that I have is I don't have an official education. I don't have an MBA. And for a longest time, all of my peers would all have MBAs. And they say, oh, you know, I, could. I went in the army at a very young age. So mm-hmm. I was 18 years old and joined. Wow. And I took university after the fact. And I said, I want to learn this because I've always been curious, as yep. you can see from the silly questions that I ask and the thousand oh, questions. Great. And so, for the longest time, I'm like, God damn it. Like, 
I don't have this piece of paper. I, I want to do my MBA. I want to do my MBA. Blah, 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 blah. And then one day Tracy said, and my, my wife is just absolutely beautifully blunt. She's like, what the hell do you want that for? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. what are they going to teach you? I said, nothing. I said, I know pretty much. Well, she said, nothing. You know, all the, you can probably teach most of the classes that they have out there. Yes. But I don't have the piece of paper. She says, okay, so give me $90,000. And she says, I will print you a piece of paper that says you have your MBA. How will that increase your sales? I'm like, mm, not really. So she says, can we be done with it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a good it's a judgment, right? It's judgment <laughs> of yourself and it's judgment that you're surrounding uh, yeah, exactly. Just, Cause I was, I was never good enough. Like I saw everybody yeah. else who went to university, had these great university stories. Oh, I did this and did this, I did this. And then she's like, okay, Martin, who has lived and worked on six different continents out of your friends? I'm like, uh, nobody who's jumped out of airplanes and, uh, shotguns and thrown grenades. Uh, just me, I guess. So, you know, it's all exactly. a matter of self. It's your self, own path. Correct. Right. And, and to accept that is, is a good way. And I think that that's, you know, timing is like you said, right? A lot of people says, oh, entrepreneur, work hard, work hard, work hard. It's not about working hard. It's about timing. It's about being consistent in your approach so that when the opportunity shows up, you're ready for it. And that's what a lot of young entrepreneurs forget because there's a lot of you know, uh, work hard, you know, hard work pays off and all this bullshit. If you're spinning your oh, wheels yeah. and you're chasing your tail, you can run as fast as you can. You're never going to get anywhere. Yep. And I think yep. that you, you provided two very good reference point, which is one, ask yourself a thousand questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Number two is how does it feel? Right. Cause if the, if, cause you went back to work twice, not yeah. once, but twice. So a lot of people, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll never be, you know, I'll never have, I don't like having a boss and I don't like being told what to do. Well, lesson what, guess what? When you're an entrepreneur, you're a CEO, everybody tells you what to do. <laughs> oh, you're working. You're peer, like, I, I, the way I look at it, I'm, I'm really working for my team. Yeah, exactly. If they need me. I am there. Exactly. That's who, that's who my bosses are now. So two, two huge lessons in in, in, in this episode that we're talking about, ask yourself a thousand questions. Is the timing right? There's no such thing as a mompreneur. You're a mother, you're an entrepreneur. You wear a thousand different hats. You're a wife, you're a spouse, you're a sister, you're a daughter, a sports fan, like whatever, you know, totally. It's a huge part of my life too, right? Like there's just so many different facets to people. I'm just not a big labeler. Agreed. Um, Yeah. Cause I don't, I, I never wanted to be put in a box. And I always felt like when, you know, people are so anxious to do that, but the whole thing is, and this is what I want to actually propose at our next strategy session is one of our values needs to be changed to um, constant learning. Because mm-hmm. I think that is when I, re- when I look at the successful people within our team, it's because they've constantly sought to be better. Just mm-hmm. like Stones is doing. Stones is like ever evolving. This year is going to be a huge launch for us of all new products. Um, and, and it's just, it's constant. We have to constantly ask ourselves, just are we doing the very best we can and why people think it's odd that I still really want feedback on our product. <sighs> if there's something that somebody asks, like, why would I have an ego about it when I, I'm not, I'm no longer using them. 
because I don't have little children. So now it's important. I ask for that feedback. So even as a leader, as a, as a friend, as a partner, as a, I don't know, it's just that and not being afraid of it because I think insecurity will kill you. And I know when we've had people come on board, when things have not worked, it's a hundred percent because they're insecure. Now they're making decisions that serve them. They don't serve the company. And you're just asking for that to perpetuate itself. And that's what it might, when one of my big lessons with my company and when I, when things got a little off track, it was that insecurity will cause a lot of problem. Knowledge dispel, dispels fear. You know, that that's yeah. an SAS, uh, a special air service in, in the UK. I mean, uh, Tim Ferriss does a fear setting session. Like, what are you afraid of? Right. And mm-hmm. so our, for our company, our core values are also our brand promises, meaning that ignite curiosity. Be be curious. Like I I hate when people say, "Hey, how you doing?" Well, are you asking? Or are you just because if you want to say hi, it's okay to say hi. Yeah. But if you're going to ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And so, be, oh, yeah. be, or don't ask a question. And or walk don't away ask a question and why? because you make me feel again <laughs> unimportant, right? It, it was just in, insincere and authenticity for me is huge. Like I even, cause everyone has different ways of being in day-to-day life and just come as you are like, you, you know, or maybe talk about it or like you say, share how you're feeling and maybe not just your feeling, but tell us why it's significant because yeah. that's the real meaning. Right. And I learned that through EO and doing so much work within the forum. It's been great because you actually talk about like a headline, how you're, how you're feeling about it. And the significance of it. The significance is really the meaning. Oh, absolutely. One word because openings. Yeah. You can say, uh, oh, yeah. Like, I'm not good today. Well, what does that mean? What is yeah, it? Yeah. What's defined? Yeah. yeah. There's context attached to everything, right? Yeah. I always, when we do behavioral work for leadership, if I go, hey, how y'all doing? And I put an accent on how you think, then you put all these biases. I like, I like country music. I like barbecue. And, you know, I'm from the South of the U S with the drawl that puts a whole bunch of, if I say, bonjour, comment allez-vous? then I like baguettes and smoke and have a mustache. Right. So, the, but the, those are the yeah. biases yeah. that we associate with it. No. And I, I, so the, the ignite that curiosity is, is key to being authentic crystallize your thinking for us is for us as well is to say, okay, well, where am I going with all of this? Right. And so you've got a whole bunch of questions, what the direction and then concentrate your action is. So when you're invested, uh, make sure your head is where your feet are. So when, when I'm talking to Lisa, I'm talking to Lisa, I'm not saying, Oh, hold on a second. Same thing with people on zoom or, you know, you see their eyes going away and you go, okay, well, you're looking at something, something popped up. That's great. But if I go, uh, for those people who are listening, I'm kind of pretending like my eyes are going, I'm reaching out for my keyboard. Right. Sometimes it's okay, but you know, be in in the present moment. So, um, so let's talk about learning. I, I, I often say leaders are, are learners, not necessarily readers. I'm dyslexic. So for me, reading is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate books, love books. Sometimes reading can be very onerous and difficult for me. Uh, Oh, audible. That's why audio books are great, right? (laughs) It's perfect. Uh, So what are you learning now? So two questions, two last questions. One is what's the one piece of reference material that has changed who you are? or can define who you are. That's uh, one book, one podcast, one session. What, what is it that defines who you are? 
that's tough. Because just by my sheer nature of, I take in a lot, like I prefer, because I actually think if you were to ask me who's my, you know, big, biggest mentor or Mm -hmm. somebody I look up to or anything, I I actually couldn't give you one person because I don't believe any one person or Mm -hmm. any one entity could come in here and make this perfectly great because there's so many pieces to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody's got something like a golden nugget, right? Um, hmm. So for me, it was seven habits was, was one that yeah, yeah, first things first was for yeah. me, that was life changing for me. Cause I learned to prioritize because I would put everything at the same level. So that was for me defines because every time who asked, who asked me, I said, they'll always say, Oh, Martin always says, what's the risk? What's the priority? What's the risk? What's the priority? Yeah. So they know that that comes out of my mouth and singularity of purpose. So those are things that are associated yeah. with Martin. So do okay, you have well, then, well, I guess my the one book that impacted me a lot and gave me, I have to put everything in categories so yeah, it makes course, sense yeah. to me, almost like visual. And for me, the E-Myth did that because oh, I could yeah. tell the manager, the, the technical person and the entrepreneur, it very clearly then it gave me the ability to be okay with being the entrepreneur and not having, like, I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't manage as well as I wanted or mm-hmm. couldn't stick to just purely technical things for a long, long, long period of time. So it gotcha. just gave me the permission to step away and be able to be in my zone of genius, which, which you know, everyone has one. It's finding it and when you find it in your life. And, and once I got clarity around that, I think I read that book even before I took the full leap. Oh, gotcha. I, I really, it's such a great book to read. It is. It is. Um, There's so many people who, who refer back to it. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, and what are be... you, what are you learning now? What's the one thing that you want to improve on? Cause I mean, it, we're looking at continuous improvement all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, what's the one thing that you go, this is something that I want to work on this year. Um, yeah, that's actually, it's really clear to me now because I, I'm, do, I'm in the middle of this wonderful program called Soulful Leadership. And it's with the uh, co-founder of Why Yoga. And she's taking us through this almost personal mission. You know, what, because I know the mission of the business, super clear on that, but I never really thought about what my mission is. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to understand is seeing something ignite in somebody and helping them be the best that they're, they can like seeing opportunity for them and helping them get there. And so I'm in the middle right now of a few different books. One is the Patagonia book, let your people go surfing, but also the coaching habit. Mm -hmm. And that is amazing. That book is so good and describes how, you know, never ask more than one question, for example, because it gives you the impression that you're just firing questions for the sake of it, which you are very good at just one question, focus on it. Cause then the person feels very important. Um, even just little things. So me coaching people, I would say, and my team and being that leader they need, because now they're technically, you know, I would say, thank goodness, better than me in lots of different areas of the business, everything from design to operations to logistics, and which is amazing. So they've taken that, they're running with it, they're learning. Now I get to be able to see what sparks them and help them get to be exactly get get them to exactly where they want to be it's, and that uh, i find hugely rewarding so that's my mission i would say perfect. my mission in life yeah a lot people think that 
humans in general are selfish. And sometimes when I'm driving, I'm the smartest people on the road, right? And then, <laughs> everybody else is stupid. <laughs> yep. I'm just the smartest person there. Uh, and people tend to think it, I've had the opportunity to ask this question to many different people who have a lot of influence. And I would say that everybody shares in that same kind of pathway of collaboration. How can I help? How can I help? And I'm hoping that through COVID, through all of this, if there's one thing that humanity has learned is to be more tolerant and helpful to others, to saying, how can I help? And that, because some one day you're, you're going to be asking for help. And that's something that we practice at Urgio is at the end of the daily huddles, I always ask, what do you need help with? And when they don't say anything, they know that I'm going to I say, oh, really? Are you doing this good with this? Well, no. So then ask for help because yeah. Dean's really good at this. We're creating okay. the environment, right, that's safe to both ask for help Co and be okay that you may not be as good. So that is my job. I have to have that safe environment. Yeah. And I, and I look at that as being my role now, not really directing everybody to do what they're doing. They're able to now do that. My whole thing is creating that environment that's safe because if they can't who's going to stand up and say they don't know something when they know a manager is looking for them and waiting for them to say something like that and pounce on it that you can't like we need something very different than that oh absolutely i, I always say one for me one of the movies that master and commander is a movie that has has always drawn me is that to leadership because direction is key. The people who feel safe in a box need direction. They need a leader who says, there we go, ladies and gentlemen, that's the direction we're going. That feels safe because people not knowing where they're going, right? The second thing is support. How can, what tools do you need to get your job? Because most people need that job description to feel safe, right? Yeah. They feel, yeah. okay, so Lisa through stones is paying my salary and my salary permits me to do the stuff that I need to do. So I'm aiming to be prosperous and I want to put my kids through this and I want to have them go to soccer and I want them to do this. So ensuring that the company has clear direction, that they're provided the tools and that the CEO leader has their ear. And I, and this is where I think, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do I matter? Is that component of open lines of communication? Yeah. I was like, that is magical, Lisa. That is, I know you stole that from somebody, but I, could, I couldn't care less. <laughs> you're, the one that gave, you're the one that gave it to me. So, I, I mean, that comes full circle about, you know, I think when you're having a conversation to yourself about balance and about being a mompreneur and all these stigmas is ask yourself, do I see myself? Do I hear myself? And do I matter? Now that's, that's a self-conversation that could go on for, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never thought about it ever applying to me. Just more, I'm clear with other people that if I'm not making you feel like you matter, please tell me. That's the last piece of that, right? Putting the onus on the person to say, please clear it up with me if I don't, because this mm -hmm. is my intention. And um, if it's not happening for you, please let me know. That's the only thing I ask really of them. So. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I struggle with, with my partnership is sometimes I get too involved and I need to work on, on to making Tracy feel special. We've been together for 18 years now. Yeah. 
And, and, and that applies not just to Tracy, the, to my kids, to the people that work with me. And, and yeah, so, wow. Wow. Uh-oh. Deep. We went deep on this one. This is amazing, <laughs> Lisa. Thank you so very much for thank being you. on the show. Did, did we have fun? Yes, it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for, yeah, I feel very enlightened today. So thank you. Uh, fabulous. And I, all I can see for those people who are listening and not watching, there's these little over her right shoulder, there's these little blue and pink booties that just look absolutely cozy. Like I <laughs> want to put them in my house. They're so cozy. <laughs> I know. I, that's why I love the fall every year. Spring and summer is fine, but I love the fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Flip-flops on, on kids doesn't work. We've tried. My daughter was born in the South Pacific. It's just a barefoot's best for babies. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Hey, can anybody get a hold of you? I'm assuming you're on LinkedIn and all that good stuff. Yes, I am. LinkedIn. Um, yeah. If you want to email, you can get a hold of me through the Stones um, website. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Love cool. to chat with anybody that's interested. Fabulous. Thank you very much. And so with that said, my name is Martin Hunter. I'm the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Thank you very much. And this time I'm not forgetting, please like, subscribe, and do whatever the social media team tells me to do. So anyways, with that said, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.